Good morning, Calvary. My name is Thomas, if we haven't met yet, and it's my joy to be on staff at the church and have the privilege of opening up the Word of God with us on the weekends. Today we're going to start a new series through the book of Hebrews this fall. It's an amazing thing to hear the scriptures read in your own language, is it not? To be able to understand the vernacular, to know the words that are being used and what they mean to us culturally. I'm so thankful for Mike and Gay and the work that you have done and in the line of workers over the years that have brought the scriptures into the language of the people so that you and I can open our Bibles and know what God has said. So my encouragement for you is if you don't bring your Bible to church anymore, that you would go find it. Maybe dust it off and bring it. If you don't like to lug your Bible with you, then I would encourage you to grab one of my favorite electronic Bibles, if that's the U version or just the ESV Bible app, and, and put it on your phone or your tablet and bring it with you. As we study the book of Hebrews, you're going to need your whole Bible. The book of Hebrews is part of a story that God has been writing from the very beginning Genesis, and it points to actually what's going on in Revelation. And in the centerpiece of it all is this Christ, this Jesus. The centerpiece in which the Old Testament was looking forward to, and the New Testament, or Second Testament, was revealing how he was concealed in the Old Testament. So you're going to want your whole Bible with you. It's all about Jesus. Now, when you open your Bible to the book of Hebrews, it starts in a peculiar way. Long ago at many times, in many ways. It doesn't introduce the author nor the audience. And there is much conjecture of who the original author is and who the audience was written to. And we don't actually know either of those things. But what we do know is what that audience was going through. They were facing sufferings and probably the enticement of sin. That they would fall away from God because of their sufferings. Or fall back into sin because of its enticements. And Hebrews was written to display the goodness and faithfulness and greatness of God so that our faith would be more secure. So that in the midst of suffering and you're wondering, where is God? Has God abandoned me? Are God's promises not true? The writer is wanting to build into the story of God's faithfulness, his goodness, and his greatness so that no matter what is going on in your life, whatever is shaking you, your faith in this God would remain secure. So you would not fall away, drift away, or fall into and be entangled with the sins of the world. The centerpiece of it all is, is Christ. Here at Calvary say we're, we're building a Christ-centered ministry. This, this church is about Christ. The greatness of Christ. Raise your hand if you've had a conversation at some point in your life around this question. Who is the goat? <laughs> How many of you have no idea what the goat is? I know I'm with you. When I first heard that term many years ago, I thought, goat, goat. I'm not sure if I know any goats, um, at least by name. But goat is an acronym. What's it stand for? Greatest of all time. Greatest of all time. Let me tell you, I'm not on anyone's list. 
The greatest of all time. Who comes to your mind when you hear greatest of all time? Well, you guys said it so fast. It was probably all John Elway. Is that what I heard? <laughs> now, if you're a sports person, it's like the greatest of all time quarterback is probably Tom Brady. Sorry, Denver fans, and I'm a Denver fan. Greatest musician of all time? The Hanson Brothers, I don't know. <laughs> the greatest, if you, who watches the show Dude Perfect? Any Dude Perfect fans out there? They have this segment of the greatest breakfast cereals. They have the greatest candy bar. And all this is really subjective, isn't it? You take their achievements, what they've done, when they did it, who they did it with, and. And then you kind of say, well, here are the top 10 greatest athletes, greatest musicians, greatest philosophers, greatest teachers, greatest presidents, greatest pastors, greatest whatever. You just make a list. But Hebrews is going to tell you some accomplishments of the Son of God who makes him unequivocally the greatest of all time. That there's nothing that even you're experiencing today, that he is not greater than. He's greater than. And so we want to build our faith on this Jesus who's greater than our troubles, who's greater than death itself, who's greater than our doubts and our sins, so that we would build our faith on him. So no matter how the world shakes us, we have deposited ourselves in the greatest of all time. So grab your Bibles, New Testament, kind of near the end, the book of Hebrews, chapter 1, verse 1. Joe read it for us. It begins, long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Because long ago at many times and in many ways. Now, when you read long ago, I think my mind, just because I'm a Star Wars you know, kid, is like, in a galaxy far, far away. As though when he spoke, it was otherworldly. But that's not what this author is directing us to. He's directing us to that, that God is a speaking God. God spoke. The first thing you have to recognize about God is that God desires to make himself known to people. God is a self-revealing God. He gets to choose the channels of that. But he speaks. He's a speaking God, an actively speaking God, so that women and men, young and old, all over the world would hear his voice and come to know him. And long ago is the point of when did he first begin to speak? Not in a galaxy far, far away. What is the first recorded moments of God speaking? Do you know? Genesis. Genesis. All right, go in your Bibles. We're going to work it out already. Genesis chapter 1. This is page 1 of your Bible. Genesis chapter 1. Probably the easiest place to find in your Bible. Table of contents, marriages, deaths, Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. The first recorded instance of God speaking, revelation of who he is, is actually to form and create the heavens and the earth. Let there be light. So long ago, at many times, it's not in the galaxy far, far away. It is here in earth. 
to actually bring about creation, God spoke. This is part of the at many times, in many ways. At many times is in many portions. At many times, in a variety of times, he spoke. This is really, really important. I'm going to take some break and we're going to look at how our Bible is structured and where Hebrews is found in it. Because if you're going to try to build a faith on what Hebrews is talking about, we want to use the Bible, the, the words that have been written here, to kind of build up your confidence in what you read. And so Christianity is the fulfillment of Jesus coming to fulfill everything that was written in the Old Testament, two Testaments. It's funny, that one's called old and one's called new. They're both old. Okay, it's like old and older. But it's just really first testimony and second testimony. And the first testimony is looking forward to Christ. The Old Testament is Jesus Christ concealed. And the second testimony is Jesus Christ revealed. That's what the testimonies are about. And it's not just one revelation to one person at one time in one place. This is not the Islamic faith or Mormonism or others. Where there's one prophet, one revelation, at one point, that's never repeated. That's not what your Bible is. Your Bible is a collection of 66 different books. And the Old Testament has different actual themes and genres. And different people who have written over places and times. And so if you look at your Old Testament, you can summarize what the Old Testament is. There's a phrase, it's the law and the prophets. You can even break that down further as we look at what the author of Hebrews is saying at many times in many ways. If you think of like the Old Testament or the New Testament as a, as a bookshelf, that this is a collection of works. And so you can break it down again as the law, put that up on the upper shelf right there. Then, then you have like historical books, then you have wisdom literature, then you have major prophets, and you have minor prophets. But you could break that down even further as we look at Hebrews and say, at many times in many ways. And say, God is a speaking God that desires for his people to know him. And he knows that we have different personalities and our ears are tuned different ways. And God speaks to our hearts in different ways. And so you think of all the different prophets and all the different times that he spoke. And it's varied. And so you say, well, I just love history. Oh, you're going to love the first five books of the Bible. You're going to love First and Second Kings. You're going to love Chronicles. It's going to tell you the history of who these people are. Well, I just love stories and narratives. I love colorful and passionate stories. Oh, well, God will reveal himself in narrative form, telling you wild stories. You like whales? How about people getting swallowed by whales? How about God reveals himself in colorful, vivid stories that you will not forget? Okay, you like songs? I love music. God speaks to me through music. Okay, how about we take an entire book of the Bible called the Psalms, the Psalter, and God will reveal himself, speak through music. Why? Because I know that some of you love music. And God wants to reveal himself through his word that's musical to you. Well, I'm not really a musical person. I'm like a logic person. I like principles. I like leadership principles. Great, you're going to love this book called Proverbs. In which God has revealed himself through wisdom sayings, principles, leadership principles of how you live life in your family, in your community, in your church. He's going to reveal himself through logical pieces like that. Well, I'm a philosopher. Oh, you're going to love Ecclesiastes. He's revealed himself through philosophies of the world, of what this world is all about, where it's going. What do we spend our time to? We work all our life and then we just give our inheritance to the next generation. What's, what's the meaning of that? Oh, you'll love Ecclesiastes. 
Well, I'm not really a, a words person. I'm more of like a theater person. Oh, you're going to love Ezekiel. Ezekiel's told to go and like act stuff out. He has to like put on a drama for the people of Israel. Well, I'm more of an architectural person. Cool, you'll love. He actually builds a replication of Jerusalem. And then he's going to show them what God's going to do through this architectural design. You see what God's doing in the Old Testament? It's not just wrapped up in one person at one time in one revelation. Through a plethora of men and women in Jerusalem, in Egypt, in Babylon, all over, over time, both young and old, those who are married, those who aren't married, God is going to reveal himself. Not in the galaxy far, far away, but in our earthy existence. In the world that you live today, God is revealing himself. And he's still doing it. From the very first pages in which God speaks into creation, creation now is one of his instruments of speaking to us. Let's go to the Psalms just for real quick. Go to Psalm 19. The creation that he brought forth by his word is now a mouthpiece speaking for him. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes throughout all the earth, and their words to the ends of of the world. God is a speaking God. And long ago, at many times, I mean, he spoke from the very beginning and is still speaking today. The question is, do we have ears that are willing to hear him speak? Over the summer, as you know, we camped as a family in several different places. And there were places that were so remote that didn't have any city lights, and so you could just see the heavens. I don't know if you've ever been to a place like that. And the stars are unreal. And you can see galaxies. And you're just humbled to think that the God who created all of this is listening to my prayers. Like I'm, I'm praying to him. And he's greater than all of this. And he hears me. We also camped downtown New York City. And you can't see stars. Why? Because the buildings are so tall that it limits your view of the sky. And the lights are so bright that it drowns them out. And I started thinking, what would it, what would it look like in my own life to have built so much of me that I that I illuminate my own life so that the vision of the heavens, of the cosmos, are drowned out. I can just imagine talking to someone in New York and saying, look at the God of the universe. And go, what, what God are you talking about? I don't see any heavens. I don't see any stars. I don't see any of that. I know it's because we have built ourselves so big and so bright that we actually block out the things of God. What things in our own life have we 
devoted ourselves to in this last year. Other people's voices. Other speeches of what you should be paying attention to. Of what the greatest threat to your life is. That that's like a cloud of fear almost has come over our life. And we can't even see God. That's what I wonder if that's where we're at as a church, as Americans. And we so desperately need Hebrews and God's word to once again strip all that back so that we would see how he is speaking today. So that we would trust him in the middle of whatever we're going through today. So Hebrews opens up, long ago, from the beginning, God has been speaking. In, in a variety of ways, at many times, through many people, because he wants himself to be known. And he is still speaking today. In these last days, Hebrews goes on, but in these last days, go back to Hebrews, he has spoken to us through his son, or by his son. Now, when, when the writer is saying these last days, that is an eschatological shift in time. And that, that, that shift in time is not so much like how we think of time, but in God's plan of redemption and salvation kind of time. And the last days were ushered in by Jesus himself. That in these last days, these prophets spoke about a day that was coming, that God would send his rescuer, his redeemer, and that he would bring about justice and forgiveness. That's what Jesus is here for. That he would actually be the sinless offering on a cross for all those who have sinned, and been separated from God. So the last days are inaugurated by the coming of Jesus Christ. And the fact that death has been defeated by this Christ. And that he has been resurrected. And that he has poured out his spirit. Those are all markers of this last day in which God is bringing about his ultimate plan of salvation. We live in these last days. Days in which Christ has come, death has been defeated, resurrection has happened, and God has poured out his spirit. Those are markers of the last days. And he has spoken by his son. And then there are these, these attributes of who his son is because his clearest revelation of who God is, because he wants people to know him, is through his son, Jesus Christ. Here's a phrase that I've heard I share with you. The clearest picture of who God is is Jesus Christ crucified, dead, buried, and raised. The clearest picture, if you ever want to know, who is God? It is Jesus Christ, crucified, dead, buried, and resurrected. That is the clearest picture. So we don't need more revelations. Jesus is the clearest and final revelation that we need of God. Here's an analogy. All analogies break down. But picture it like this. At many times, in many ways, many portions, in many ways, that God has revealed himself. And you think that he's, he's bringing about like, the children to know who he is over time. And So you think about revealing yourself or your family identity to your own kids. You use smaller words at times until they mature into greater concepts. Or if you were thinking about how we capture pictures of history, think about way back when we're going to capture maybe a leader in Egypt. You might see a picture of a hieroglyphic of this person. That looks sort of like him-ish. And then there are portraits that are painted of kings and queens. 
And for the most part, that's a good representation of who that is. It's bringing some more clarity. And then there's the photograph. And first it's black and white and rather pixelated. But that's actually a capturing of a historical moment. That's the person in the picture. But then it becomes color. And then it becomes more defined. And now we live in this like 20K HD hologram world in which there are a gajillion pixels. And the clarity that's captured in those things. It's amazing. What Jesus is, is the ultimate clarity of who God himself is. And these are the attributes that make Jesus that HD, clarity, clarified picture of who God is. Verse 3, the son whom he appointed, the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. So Jesus is the heir of all things. Meaning, there will be nothing that exists for eternity that Jesus does not possess. He will inherit, inherit everything that will exist for eternity. Maybe in a different way, you can put it this way. Nothing will exist for eternity that does not belong to Christ. See that? He will inherit all things. Nothing that will exist does not exist in him. And so if you want to exist, you have to exist in him, which is an amazing thing because that's his desire, is to give himself away to you so that you would belong to him and you'd be part of his inheritance. The writer of Romans, Romans 8, says this, that we are co-heirs with Christ, heirs with him, if we belong to him. So he is the one who will inherit all things, but only those things that belong to him will exist for eternity. He is also the one who has created all things. Through him also he created the world. We read Genesis 1. How did God create the world? Through his word. What does the apostle John open up his, uh, his gospel with? In the beginning was the word, that this is Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Scriptures tell us that nothing that was created was created apart from this Jesus. All things were created by Jesus. So you go to the very beginning of Genesis, and what do you have? You have the Father, you have the Spirit, and you have the Son, the Word. There it is. The Trinity, out of their divine relationship, is creating the world. Jesus, everything that has been created was created by Jesus. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. He is the radiance of the glory. So if you want to know what God's like, you want to see his glory, Jesus ultimately reveals that to us. It's through Jesus. He is the exact imprint of his nature. This idea of character is this idea in antiquity that you would actually press that image into metals. You think of like Caesar, how he would press his image into a coin. And it wasn't just simply a reflection, it was actually the full authority of who Caesar was. Jesus is the exact imprint of God himself. Jesus put it very clearly to his disciples. If you go to John chapter 14, John chapter 14 is Jesus preparing his disciples for his death and departure. And there he tells them that he's going to prepare a place in his father's house. Then he'll come and gather them. 
It says in verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And later on, he says, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. For the Father and I are one, Jesus is saying. So you don't just take God, the Old Testament, and then Jesus of this New Testament as two different things. Jesus is the clearest picture of who God is from the opening pages of Genesis to the closing pages of Revelation. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. If you've seen Jesus, you know the Father. Why is that good news? I think sometimes we just wonder, does, does God care about me? Does God hear me? Will God draw near to me? Will God forgive me? And Jesus is the exact imprint of how to answer that. Jesus drew near to us, did he not? He bore our iniquities, did he not? He forgives our sins, does he not? So what does that say about God the Father? He draws near. He loves you. He hears your prayers. He's forgiven you. Jesus is the clearest picture of God. The final picture of who God is. Then the writer of Hebrews goes on. Not only has he created the world, not only is he going to inherit the world to come, not only is he the exact imprint, but he upholds the universe by the power, or the word of his power. After making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So two more attributes of who this Jesus is, the greatest of all time, is that he holds it all together. Just take a deep breath right now. You told yourself to take that breath, didn't you? How about from about 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. this morning? Who told your body to take a breath? Or your heart to keep beating? It's Jesus, by the word of his power, that sustains us. It's wonderful that God gives us a gift of sleep. Not only do we love sleep, love sleep. I also have four kids, so I really love sleep. But eight hours a day, God reminds you, he doesn't need you, but he loves you and will sustain you. Isn't that wonderful? He loves you and will sustain you. And he reminds you of that every single day. Why is that a good reminder? It's because too often we think we are the goat. And here's Jesus, the greatest of all time, reminding us. I created you. I sustain you. And if you trust me, I would love to inherit you into my kingdom that is forever and unshakable. And what you see here, the writer of Hebrews is pointing to the exaltation of Jesus in the first few verses. Bible scholars call this a chiastic structure. And what you see here is kind of this part A, B, C, and then you just go back to B, and then A, and the centerpiece is Jesus' exaltation, that he is the radiance of the glory of God, and the exact imprint of his nature. So it's, he created, that's the first line, and then he sustains all things. Sorry, he, sorry, he, cre he inherits all things, and he reigns all things. He'll reign on the right hand of God, position of authority. And then he created all things, and then he sustains all things. And the reason he can do those things is because, right there, the centerpiece is his exaltation. Because if you've seen him, you've seen the Father. 
in the Father are one. And so the whole writing of this is to draw you into the centerpiece that Jesus is the greatest of all time. There's nothing greater than Christ. Now why does all that matter for us today? It's because he's still speaking to us today. And my prayer for us is that we are listeners. So in the book of Hebrews, he points out that the word of God is living and active. This word that was spoken long ago at many times in many ways is living and active. It's still doing a work. And he desires to speak to us today and draw us in. Hebrews chapter 12. Flip in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. We'll end here. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 25. One thing I could just give you today. This is it right here. Maybe we devote ourselves to Hebrews this fall. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. That's it. God, God has a word for you. Don't refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, speaking of the days of Moses in the wilderness. Much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time, his voice shook the earth. But now he has promised, yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is, things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. The only things that are going to remain are the things that Jesus inherits. The only things that are inherited are the things that belong to Jesus. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, do not refuse him who is speaking to you today. And he's going to shake the earth in these last days. Do you, do you have a sense that he's shaking the world right now? Yeah! And churches are being shaken. So the things that should not remain will be put off to reveal what will ultimately remain in Christ. Who ultimately will remain in Christ? And then he concludes with this. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. That's it. So therefore, as we build our faith on Christ, let us give worship to God. Because we have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And let us with awe and reverence recognize who he is. The God who is a consuming fire. As we close, would you actually stand with me? And I want to I pray over you that God would give you ears to hear this fall, what he has for you. That he would build into your faith that you would not drift away. That he'd build a confidence in your faith that you would not fall into sin. That no matter what you're going through, he would remind you constantly that he is greater. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for the women and men of Calvary Bible Church. Father, this is what I pray by the name of your Son, 
Jesus the Christ. <laughs> By the power of the Spirit, Lord, would you grow an appetite in these people for your word to hear you, to see you, to know you. Father, there are so many voices that want our attention today. I pray that you would free men and women from those voices that have kept them in fear. That keep them in anxiety and worry about the future, about their family, about what's next, about where this world is going. And instead, would you give them your voice? The reassuring, unshakable voice from the kingdom of heaven that you have all of this together. That you are shaking things, perhaps in their own life, in our own church, our community, in our world, so that what cannot be shaken would remain. Free these people. Free me from paying attention to voices that are so much lesser than the voice of Jesus, our Christ. Send us out, Lord, now as the people of God to bring this message of hope to our neighborhoods and our families, to all the corners of the earth, so that the good news of Jesus Christ would be heard by all. It's in his name we pray. Amen.